You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can, or better go to our webpage at letstalktorah.net, no apostrophes, letstalktorah.net, you can check out the archives, of course, the new shows, leave a question, leave a comment, and the all-important donate button. That's what keeps us going. Um, help us take care of the studio, help us grow, help us steig. So all the good stuff, just please hit that donut button. Uh, there's different levels. You want a shout-out, leave us a note. We'll take care of it. You want to be anonymous, that's what people like. It's, of course, also accepted. So this week was a very exciting week, especially for my son. My youngest uh, is his bar mitzvah when he turns 13 is in a month from now. So a month before a boy turns 13, he starts to put on his tefillin or phylacteries. We'll probably talk about it more next week because that's the Torah portion that actually discusses uh, the phylacteries. But he put on tefillin. It is very exciting. In the morning, he's waiting to go to school and he has his jacket and his hat and shoes. He's proud as a peacock. He is so excited. Perhaps he's excited because this is, uh, you know, he's getting closer. If I say to be a man, we're going to, I don't think that's the reason, but it's like real. Like he, he's one of the big kids. He's one of the big boys. He's like an adult. It's a, it's a whole new stage. It's just amazing. It is interesting they actually ask, I think we've talked about it in the past, probably with different children of mine, when they reach that age, who should pay for the party? Okay, I'm not talking about modern, liberal, you pay for your own stuff. I don't mean that. Whose party is it? As when his bar mitzvah comes in a month from now, is it his party or is it my party? If it's his party, he should pay. Of course, I pay for everything. I, I know. The kids come into the house, the money just comes pouring out. I know. I know. But is it really his party or is it really my party? So a very interesting Rajba. The Rajba says, it's really my party. Why? It, it, I don't want to call it a pyramid scheme because that automatically turns everybody off. But what happens is, till a child is by mitzvah, it's all practice. Once he reaches by mitzvah, it's for real. Every good deed he does, every, every piece of Torah he studies, every Sabbath he keeps, every Passover, everything counts. But it's also mine because my son, who I brought into this world and I raised, is also fulfilling God's commandments. So that credit goes on my balance. How God figures it out, how much is mine, how much is his, you know, sometimes we have to step back. 
it's not like there's a finite amount of reward for God. He can reward everybody tons, tons. So it's no problem if it's all my sons and it's all mine at the same time. It's really no problem. So no one should get too worked up about it. But in any case, it is a very exciting time. And it was just beautiful to see how excited he was to put on those phylacteries. It's just so exciting. My wife's blessing is always to the child. As excited as you are today, every day you should be so excited when you get to fulfill that command or any command for that matter. So we are in the bar mitzvah party mode. We've only changed our minds, oh, half a dozen times at least to decide exactly how we're doing the party, which party, what we're serving by the party. Uh, we sat down with a party planner. We um, Part we're going to use it for, part we changed our mind. Well, we could do it ourselves or she'll help us with part of it. We got people to get the stuff. We're, we're busy trying to figure it out. And I'm sure by the time his bar mitzvah rolls around, we will have made a final decision. I mean, the dates are set. That part I can't, like, change. It was even interesting this morning. Um, in the old days, I made the imitation myself. Brought it to a printer. Had him put on cardstock, cut it, make the envelopes, print it on the envelopes, stuff it myself, address it myself, uh, mail it off myself. I did the whole thing myself. You know, it's so easy. Like, why not outsource it? There are just companies out there. You send them in the information. They redo it. They format it. it. No time. Instead of hours and hours of me trying to figure it out, they got it. It's a science. They'll stuff it for me. They'll address it for me. They'll stamp it for me. So we had an interesting question this morning. His bar mitzvah is on Rosh Chodesh. On the new moon of the month of Adar. It happens to be the first Adar. So the question is, and, and you got to think about this question. Today also, by the way, is Rosh Chodesh. It's the first of the month. But there's only one day of Rosh Chodesh. Next month, there happens to be two days of Rosh Chodesh. Now in the calendar, the way that reads, when we see there's two heads in a month, that's just a... Um, because in the temple it was uh, confusing because you had to wait for the witnesses to come. Okay, we're not, we're not going to you know, go through that too much. It's a little complicated. But what happens is like this. It's the first day of the month of Adar. But technically, it's the second day of Rosh Chodesh. So how, how do you write that? Do you write it's the first day of Rosh Chodesh Adar? It's not really the first day of Rosh Chodesh Adar. It's really the second day of Rosh Chodesh. It is the first day of the month of Adar. So which one would you like it to be? So when she sent me back, she wrote it as the second day of Rosh Chodesh Adar. And I said, no, no, it's too confusing. It's really Aleph. It's really the first day. So she said, we won't mention Rosh Chodesh. Take out those two words and just say the first day of Adar. And that's it. So we did so we're getting all our stuff together, and life is amazing. Okay, let's, let's get into this week's Torah portion. This is one of these Torah portions. This is like preparation for the Passover Seder. This is the plagues. This is where, where it really, it just gets exciting. And, and there's piles of stuff to talk about. I pulled out a few things this time that uh, piqued my interest. So the story is told. There's a poor man. 
and he's going collecting door to door, and he's walking up the driveway of a mansion, and it's a long walk. And he gets to the front door, big oak doors, and he, he knocks on the door, and a man opens the door, and he's, please come in, he's looking around, the tapestries and paintings, and just the foyer area is, is beautiful, and it's like, you know, he has to make sure he keeps his mouth closed. So the poor man turns to the man who opened the house, opened the door, and he says, are you the master of the house? He says, yes, I am. What would you like? And all of a sudden, a hand grabs the back of the neck of this man, not the poor man, but the man who claims to be the master of the house, and he lifts him up, and he says, you're the master of the house? You're the master of the house? Get out of here. And the new man standing there says, to the poor man, ignore him. He's one of my servants. I'm the master of the house. And that really is what is going on in the next two, perhaps two and a half Torah portions. Pharaoh says, I'm the master of the house. There's a, a, a famous verse, I think in Psalms, says, Li hayar v'ani asisani. To me is the river, and I made it. The river is mine. So God has to tell Pharaoh, you think you're in control. You think you're the master of Egypt. You think you're the master of the Jewish people. You are absolutely not. So God sort of has to pick him up and shake him through the ten plagues till finally after all the plagues are over, the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh can say, it's God. It's not me. Jewish people, you're free to go. Do whatever you want. Leave me alone. Um, it's not me. That is what's going on throughout all these plagues. Everything that's happening is to make it clear to Pharaoh. And it's not just to prove to Pharaoh. The first plague could have proven to Pharaoh that he's not in control. But that's not good enough for Pharaoh, right? And that's everything's excused, you're, you're a better magician than I am, you, you knew it was coming, you could read the stars. It's going to take all the way, as even when the magicians, by the third plague, by the, by the lice, by the bugs that the, the magicians can't do, and they say to Pharaoh, it's the finger of God, which again is an offhanded way of saying, yeah, it's no big deal, don't worry about it, but we can't do this stuff, it's not magic, it, it's really a miracle. And Pharaoh, he doesn't ask them to do any more of these plagues because, okay, they said they can't do it. But Pharaoh himself seems to still believe that Moses is just a better magician. He just knows what's happening in the world better. He refuses to believe that there's a God because then he's not in control of the house anymore. And that much Pharaoh's not willing to do. So, again, there's so much to talk about. But before we even get into the plagues... There's a there's a an interesting you know, people that are into these um, books is self help and everything and leadership and leadership and this one's leadership and that one's leadership and this general and that basketball coach and everybody writes books. You know what would a book look like if it was titled? Now there may be a book out there like that. Someone can send me an email. Let me know. Um, you know leadership lessons from Moses and Aaron. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? Right? Leadership lessons. From Moses and Aaron. Forget about, you know, uh, some modern 
Like, you know, here we are in Michigan, so so Michigan football just won the college championship. You know that that Jim Harbaugh is going to write a book, Leadership Lessons from Jim Harbaugh, because I finally managed to win the championship. Till I win the championship, I'm probably not such a good leader. But now that I won, I must be a good leader, right? So right, that's what they all do, and some of them are good. I'm not saying they don't have any skills, they don't have any knowledge. Some of them are very good. Anyways, but if, if we were going to write a book called Leadership Skills of Moses and Aaron, what would they be? So let's look. This one really goes back to last week's story portion, but we're going to have a whole bunch. So at the beginning of this week's story portion, what happens? God tells Moses uh, the four phrases. I'm going to save them, and, and, and uh, um, I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to save you, and I'm going to redeem you, and I'm going to make you my people, and I'm going to bring you to Israel. So Moses goes and tells the people, and they're too tired because they, they have to gather on straw, and they're running around, and they can't pay attention to him, and they're, they're just too exhausted. And God then says to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, right, it's time to start the plagues. And Moses says, I can't talk. Right? God is telling you that you're supposed to go ahead and, and go speak to Pharaoh. And your response to God is, I can't talk. I, I, I need Aaron. Right? Moses, Moses is the leader. As there's no question. You can see throughout the Torah that whenever there's issues, Moses is the one that takes on the leadership. He's responsible. He protects the Jewish people. He prays for the Jewish people. He splits the sea. He prays to God. He gets the Torah. He is the one leading the way. He has to tell the cloud to start traveling. But when it comes to talking to Pharaoh, I need Aaron. Why? Because, Rashi says, he, 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 it was his older brother. He did not want to insult his old, older brother. Now, Moses, we have to keep in mind, Moses is the most humble person. Humble does not mean that you're a doormat. Humble does not mean that you don't recognize who you are. Humble means you recognize exactly who you are that you know that God's in control of everything and God gave you every talent or non-talent that you have, every ability, everything you do is all from God. So you know anyway, it's all from God. That's humble. God told you to go. That means you could do it. But Moses refuses to insult his older brother. He doesn't want to do anything that he feels will hurt his older brother. So even... Lesson number one, even in leadership, right? Don't step over everybody. Even though you are the one that has to get the job done and you're the responsible person, do not be that leader by stepping on top of everyone or anyone for that matter, right? It was, it was, he cared. Now, by the way, this went for everything, right? Uh, leadership lesson number two. Moses, everything Moses does is totally for the Jewish people, only for their benefit. Last week's Torah portion, what happens? Moses says to God, what's the, what's the uh, merit that they're going out? What's the guarantee? So Rashi, others explain, Moses wanted to know, I'll take him out, but it can't be that I, we go out and then we turn around, we come back, we're slaves. If we're out, we're out. 
Moses will continue to stick out his neck for the Jewish people, even if it will cost him. And that's really the give and take between the end of last week's Torah portion and this week's Torah portion, at least according to Rashi, that the, 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 the slavery got harder. They have to collect their own straw. So Moses goes and complains to God. What are you, crazy? You're complaining to God as if God doesn't have a plan? Like, what are you thinking? And God sort of gives it back to Moses. Like, like you think I don't know what I'm doing? You think I don't have a plan? But Moses is the leader that's in it for the Jewish people. His talking to God was his way of praying to say, God, they're suffering. I'm praying to you to get that suffering to end. Um, we have a verse in this in this week's Torah portion. It says, "Vayas Cain Aaron, and Aaron did so. He did exactly what he was told. Really, Moses and Aaron did what they were told. Ten times. I'm saying ten. It's not really ten because um, the third plague of each group. There's th- the plagues are broken up into three groups. The first three, second three, and last four." The third one of each group has no warning. There is no warning by number three, six, and nine. So I'm saying they went ten times to Pharaoh, um, but three times they didn't go. There was two extra times they went, um, one to throw down the snake. So, But for argument's sake, um, they went multiple times. And, and every time they go, Pharaoh says, okay, I'm going to let them go. Um, and then he changed his mind, and he tries to make deals, and and you could get frustrated. I mean, it almost seems like Moses, by the end, does get frustrated. He gets angry that Pharaoh says he doesn't want to see him anymore. That's by Plague of Darkness. That's really next week's Torah portion, right? Moses and Aaron go with the same excitement, talking about my son putting on Tefillin. They go with the same excitement each time, not because they think they're going to accomplish. It has nothing to do with accomplishing. I have a mission from God. It is not my job to figure out it will work, it won't work. My job is to go on the mission. I'm excited. God sent me to do a mission. I do win, I don't win, irrelevant. I have to show an excitement because I'm doing what God asked me to do. Right? It's, it's, it's sort of like you know Friday nights, the, Children will come home, we'll sit down, we'll eat the Sabbath meal, and they want to tell me stories. Oh, you probably know that story. I said, who cares? I'm excited to hear that story from you like any other story. I did hear it, they didn't hear it, irrelevant. You want to tell me a story. You want to tell me something you studied. There's an excitement each time. That's how we raise our children. We're not bored every time they tell us something that's ridiculous. It says, by the, by the way, the same thing with Aaron, talking about our lessons. Um, he lit the menorah. So again, it says that same phrase that, that Aaron um, lit the menorah every day. And it was the same idea, that every day it was fresh. Because this is my mission, this is my job, and that's also leadership, right? Leadership is that I, I'm not bored sitting here. I'm not, uh, it's not the same old as it was yesterday. My job is to lead, keep it fresh, keep it moving, get everybody to do what they're supposed to do, and I got to be excited every day. If I'm bored, what kind of leader am I going to be? I didn't get through so much stuff, but it was a good start. Music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all our wonderful sponsors and listeners. I can't do it without you. 
Uh, thank you, my introduction team. We have Alan in the back today. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. While the world we're gonna make There's a house